So it's really about making sure this value proposition of being able to use your own money and pay over time is available for customers, regardless of where they're shopping and in more places and ways than before. In terms of retailers, you know, there's an incredible amount of demand from retailers because not only, again, are they hearing this demand from the next generation to offer this, but we're having a really tangible impact on their business. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. I'm sure you've seen it in the headlines, but I have to say it again. The buy now, pay later space is booming. There are so much innovation happening in this world of payments and I only think it will continue to evolve and in some cases accelerate. Why do I think that? Because I had the chance to chat with Alex Fisher, who's the VP of retail at Afterpay, one of the front runners in this crazy active space right now. She shared a little bit of insight into Afterpay's growth over the past year and how that coincides with ever-evolving consumer behaviors, not just driven by COVID, right? There were some underlying behaviors, preferences, and concerns about traditional payment experiences that are really driving the company's growth. We also get into some tactical tips and questions that retail executives need to ask to ensure that their payment experiences across all channels are superior. So I know payment is not necessarily a high touch and super glitzy or fancy topic for a lot of folks out there, but Alex really shows the potential of this area of retail. Alex, thanks so much for being on the show today. I'm so happy to meet you and thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's start with the basics. I always try to do this so people kind of share their stories and, of course, a little bit about their companies. Share a little bit about you, your work, and, of course, everything that's going on with Afterpay. Yeah, absolutely. So at Afterpay, I am the vice president of retail. So what that means is I oversee Afterpay's in-store business, and I'm ultimately responsible for the success of our merchant partners and the satisfaction of our shoppers. We just launched our in-store solution pretty recently in the U.S. Um, So we launched in October of 2020 in partnership with Finish Line, Forever 21, DSW, Levi's, Skechers, and many more. And we continue to add new retailers every week. So most recently, we launched with Lily Pulitzer, Aritzia, Fabletics, Experimentals, Crocs, just in time for the holidays. So we've got a lot of great names. So exciting. And I have to say, this is such a fascinating space. I've been covering retail tech, customer experience for, oh my God, I'm going on my decade anniversary already. It's insane. And I have to say, I'm going to be honest, payment has never been something I've been super jazzed about. I'm just like, oh, payment, like it's fine. But I feel like companies like Afterpay are making it so exciting and really bringing payment into the customer experience conversation, which I think shows how much the payment space is evolving and innovating now, especially this whole buy now, pay later market that is really buzzing. So I'm curious, I'd love your take since you do focus on the 
intersection of retail and payment and really zero in on the success of your merchant partners. What has kind of led to this surge in the buy now, pay later market? And what has made it, I guess, kind of accelerate over the past year in particular? Because I feel like it really, really shot up in terms of importance and awareness. Yeah, absolutely. It has. Maybe let's start, and I'll, if you don't mind, explain quickly how it works. Payments can sound scary and sound complicated, and afterpay is really, really, frankly, delightfully simple. So in terms of the value proposition of afterpay, really what we offer consumers is the ability to buy now and pay later. So what that means is if you want to buy a $100 dress today, you'll pay in four installments, so just 25% upfront, $25, with no interest, no fees. And if you're shopping in a store, you get to take the product home that day. So it's really rewarding. It's really consumer-friendly. And to use it both in stores and online, it's incredibly simple. So in terms of why Buy Now, Pay Later is interesting and why the market is taking off. So Afterpay was founded in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis when we observed a generational shift away from credit and towards debit. So consumers want to spend their own money, they're debt averse, and they are wary of traditional credit products, which can be interest bearing and can drive them into a revolving cycle of debt. So these millennials and Gen Zs are saying, I want to spend my own money. I want to use a debit card, not a credit card. But they want the flexibility of being able to pay over time that traditional credit does afford. So enter buy now, pay later, right? You have that value proposition of being able to pay over time, but there are no interest, no fees, and no gotchas along the way. Yeah, there's definitely clear value there. And I'll I'll be fully transparent. I have used Afterpay and other services for that very reason that you just shared. I'm very cognizant of debt levels and, you know, just it's just something like I don't want to deal with personally. And I know that a lot of my peers feel the same way. And, you know, I have to ask, are those innate psychographics, the mental response to credit and debt, is that what you think is driving most of this organic growth, it seems because I think the latest numbers I saw, um, the total number of active users for Afterpay has exceeded 11.2 million at this point. Confirm if that's right, please. Um, If it has grown even more, would love to hear about it. And most of all, what has attributed to this growth over the past year? Is it largely just those behaviors and wanting to keep debt in check? Or are there added added layers to this because of everything going on with the pandemic? would love to hear what's happening right now. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think the macro shift, again, it's not specific to the pandemic. It started back in 2008, where we're seeing, again, the shift away from credit and towards debit. So in our own data, what we see is that over 90% of our global transactions are paid with debit cards. So the afterpay consumer, again, this millennial and Gen Z cohort, strongly prefers to use debit over credit. And you can see that also in Visa's latest number, where credit spend is down 9% and debit is up 20%. So what this generation is looking for is more than a payment option, frankly. And what we're offering is a budgeting tool for them, a way for them to monitor and manage their cash flow around pay cycles, a means of accessing items that may otherwise be out of reach or feel less responsible if they had to pay the total amount up front versus, again, being able to pay it a little bit more in line with their pay cycles and their cash flow. Um, And it gives them the control, access, and flexibility, which are really, really key and really important to these 
to these generations. In terms of the pandemic and the impact of that, we've seen that further accelerate this trend. So it's definitely a catalyst for the shift away from the traditional forms of payment and increasing the demand from consumers to use their own money, again, rather than turning to expensive loans or credit cards or interest or things with revolving debt. And this has definitely been a driver of our growth, but I'd say it's more of an acceleration of a longstanding trend rather than a net new shift. Got it. That is super helpful. I know just based on my own experiences that using these services, it's so easy, right? I mean, getting onboarded and started with using a service like Afterpay is relatively turnkey rather than, say, having to dig up my credit card or run to my car since my wallet is in my car. Like all those like little frustrations that sometimes happen with the online purchasing experience, it just makes it a bit smoother. So like at a retail behavior or or shopping behavior standpoint, is that ease kind of something that comes up too? Is that something that consumers want? I guess like looking at it through a commerce lens, like what else is happening inside the minds of the consumer right now, like beyond the debt and the flexibility, everything that you just shared? Yeah. So I think you touched on a couple of different things here. One is just the friction that can exist in shopping. Um, Specifically, I think you said running out to grab your wallet when you're trying to check out online. Those things add up. Those are real. Those are big detractors to folks checking out. And we're seeing online shopping is shifting increasingly to smaller and smaller screens with consumers preferring to shop from their phones and not their computers. So I personally did all of my holiday shopping from my phone this year for the first time ever as did many Afterpay shoppers. So 80% shopped on mobile on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which is a 4% increase from what we saw last year. And really, I think you touched on this. The key is making the experience seamless and eliminating the data entry. So eliminating the need to run to your car and grab your credit card or whatever it may be, and eliminating clicks. So for checkout on Afterpay, assuming you've already set up an account, it's a couple clicks away on mobile rather than a whole stream of data entry and steps that you'd need to take. And this is really, really important for the next generation as well. Yeah, absolutely. So a quick follow-up question for you. Why do you think that this payments process is still so broken online? Because I know I personally cover so many great stories of innovative online shopping experiences, personalization that really like brings people into the brand journey and like from an advertising and upfront experience standpoint, I just feel like there are so many cases of innovation and people transforming the way we shop and engage with brands. But I feel like when I go to actually buy something, it's still like, eh, like it's the same, it's like the same old thing. So why, why do you think there's been such a lack of movement or why do you think this payments process is still so broken online, especially now when we're, we're seeing such staggering increases in not just online shopping, but to your point, mobile shopping as well. Yeah, I will. I would say I think some retailers still treat their online presence as maybe supplemental to a brick and mortar one instead of complementary. I think there's generally a shift towards mobile and a, a massive seismic shift to e-commerce that's occurring right now during this pandemic, which I think means that we will see more innovation. And again, at Afterpay, this is something we're thinking about constantly. We're focused on how to reduce steps in the flow, how to enable checkout in just one click um, as you're shopping or throughout the shopping experience. So I think a lot of folks are focused on this and really doubling down on 
how to make this flow easier. And again, just to reiterate, Gen Z is the first generation to to grow up with a smartphone in their hands. And I, I think it's it's hard to imagine as these generations continue to be a larger and larger portion of kind of our buying economy that we don't solve these things. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you spoke earlier about Afterpay really going into the store, which is very exciting, especially in time for the holidays, really bringing that that flexibility, that instant gratification, so to speak, at the store level. I do want to take a step back to that and just ask at a high level, at a strategic level, what inspired Afterpay to go to the store? I mean, we're, we're hearing so much about seamless omni-channel experiences and giving the consumer more power and flexibility. But I mean, in the mind of the Afterpay team, why did you think it was needed to bring capabilities like this at, at the store level? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, we saw huge demand from consumers and merchants alike to have an omni-channel Afterpay experience. And I think omni-channel is really the key word and key thing that we're solving for here is an Afterpay offering, regardless of how and where customers are shopping. So if they're shopping online, they can check out with Afterpay and have that payment flexibility that we know they they demand, frankly, in stores or some combination of the two. So a lot of customers now are buying online and picking up in stores. And we want to make sure Afterpay is available there as well. So it's really about making sure this value proposition and being able to use your own money and pay over time is available for customers, regardless of where they're shopping and in more places and ways than before. In terms of retailers, you know, there's an incredible amount of demand from retailers because not only, again, are they hearing this demand from the next generation to offer this, but we're having a really tangible impact on their business. So Afterpay is not just a payment partner. We're also a marketing partner. If you look at third-party data, it will show that our app and our website are top referring sources of traffic to many of our retail partners. Last month, through the peak holiday shopping weeks, we drove 35 million referrals. Um, That's 35 million clicks from our app and our site out to our global partner network. It's really a way of us driving again these younger generations to our retail partners, which is incredibly powerful. And it impacts the bottom line. So the integration itself is is a light lift, especially in stores. It can happen in minutes, not days or weeks. And retailers see large increases in units per transaction. So they'll see, as an example, maybe she's checking out, typically she would buy three items. And with Afterpay, she's buying six, which is very impactful, higher average order values, which can range between you know two and three x in average order values, a reduction in returns because there's less buyer's remorse when you feel good about how you're paying for things, and then again, a boost in satisfaction and happiness. So we feel really privileged to be in this position to help, again, both retailers and consumers meet the moment in terms of the demand we're seeing. That's great. I, I love that you kind of broke down those value drivers because I was going to ask, you know, there are so many different services and, and technologies now. And I know that we've been having a lot of conversations with retail executives around their investment priorities. How are they best responding to new customer needs, new business imperatives. Some companies are just doing what they need to do to kind of keep operations going and keep business moving, which I can certainly 
appreciate, but I think you hit on a lot of really great value drivers. But is there anything else like from a value proposition standpoint that retailers need to know around implementing a service like Afterpay? Again, you hit on a lot of really great metrics already, but is there anything else like if they're trying to justify the investments or anything else that we haven't hit on yet? Yeah. Well, I think justifying the investment is a good thing to touch on. Again, it's really, really important to evaluate where your resources are going always, and especially right now. So in terms of launching Afterpay in stores, a key thing my team is focused on is how to make this as easy as possible for retailers, because we know that there's more demands on their time than ever. Um, There are more things to consider. There are more hoops to jump through with all of the health and safety things that are also top of mind. So in terms of Afterpay, we really, really focused on a lightweight integration. And by that, we literally mean it's lightweight data collection. We collect some information and then we can have a retailer live that same day. Most payment services would require a point of sale integration that's going to take you many, many months and it's going to be incredibly costly. So this is a big point of difference and part of what we designed to make this a no-brainer. Beyond that, I would say we focus a lot on, again, how to make things easy for the store teams, how to make things easy for the visual teams. So if you want to integrate Afterpay into more touch points within your environment, it's plug and play and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Another thing just to touch on, because again, we're we're in a global pandemic, is retailers are really focused on contactless payments and how, again, to meet those health and safety requirements of consumers. And Afterpay itself, the way that it works to shop in a store is you, the experience starts in the Afterpay app, but we have a virtual card that lives in your Apple or Google wallet. And you simply tap to transact like you would with any Apple, any other Apple or Google Pay transaction. So we're actually helping to drive the adoption of contactless payments within these stores, which is great from a health and safety perspective. So I'd say thinking strategically as an executive, you want to think about where you can get the most bang for your buck. Um, so you know how can you launch something, test into something without a huge investment of resources? And I think that's again where our our solution being easy to implement is key. You want to look for partners who are going to be by your side, who are going to invest alongside you, um, which again is really really important to us. And then you want to solve for consumer needs and ideally ones that are are here to stay. Which again, we believe the shift from credit economy to a debit economy is is a longer term shift, and likely the shift to contactless payments is a longer term shift as well. So, meeting the longer term need of the consumer, not just the immediate. Yep, and I think a lot of companies are thinking about a few quarters ahead or even a few years ahead, because I know one thing that has come up around everything with. COVID is obviously no one can really plan for something like this and no one could understand the severity of the situation, how how many ways it impacted not just individuals, but entire businesses, ones with years upon years of established infrastructure and strategy in place. So it's been interesting to see how companies are balancing the short term with the long term and how can they think few quarters or a few years ahead from the consumer standpoint, but still be flexible and agile and really bring innovation 
to the forefront in, in their organizations. And I know that looks so different for so many different companies. But if one sort of bright spot has come out of all of that, it's been, I think, that emphasis on innovation and being able to, you know, make faster decisions around what their consumers need and how they can respond, which I'd love to ask you from an overall business perspective, what is Afterpay really focusing on getting into the new year to really help retailers in this area, to help them continue to drive in innovation and really support customer needs as you note all these different behavioral shifts that are happening or have been happening? Yeah, I think, again, I think that having an omni-channel approach right now is really critical for retailers as consumers have now become more accustomed to the ease and flexibility of shopping online. Frankly, their demands as they return to stores, which they are and they will, will be higher. Um, So we need to focus on and what we're really focused on is bringing, again, an omni-channel experience to the world, making sure that Afterpay is available online, in stores, that there's a consistent experience that we can help, again, retailers meet what we know is the consumer expectation to be able to have a seamless cross-channel experience. I think as you speak about kind of the longer term, again, in 10 years time, millennials and Gen Z are going to represent 48% of overall spend. And as their buying power grows and their spending power grows, so will the use of buy now, pay later as a primary form of payment. So consumers already are demanding flexibility. They're already demanding transparency and better ways to pay. And we envision that that growing and that demand really existing across all channels. Absolutely. So you mentioned the undeniable growth, the continued growth of buy now, pay later, moving forward. Is there anything else that you anticipate to be happening in the payment space? Because I know we've touched on it a few times already. It's like this sector has, I don't want to say exploded, but has really evolved, you know, in terms of innovation, new opportunities, new ways to improve the payments experience. Are there any other payment trends or areas of this space that you think will continue to grow and evolve beyond buy now, pay later or in support of buy now, pay later? I would love your take on on what you think will be happening in the payment space specifically. Yeah. So I think we're fortunate because we can look at in many ways that our, our business in Australia has a good blueprint of perhaps what's to come and to help us see around the corner on where Afterpay and the Buy Now, Pay Later space alike are going. So in Australia, Afterpay is a household name. It's a verb. We're processing 15% of all online retail in Australia, which is pretty incredible. And customers are starting their shopping journeys within our app and on our properties. And they're very, very loyal to Afterpay. They tell us that they want to shop with Afterpay and they come to us to decide which retailer they're going to go to based off of afterpay availability. So we're starting to see ourselves on that same trajectory, again, in the US, the UK, Canada, et cetera. And so as we're looking around the corner, I think you can envision more retail partners adopting this technology. Again, new channels like launching in stores, new verticals. So in in Australia, you can go to the dentist and pay with afterpay as an example. And then potentially additional flexible payment offerings as we continue to listen to our consumers and listen to this generation on on how they want to pay. 
Well, that's so exciting, especially as you talk about getting into other verticals. It'll definitely be interesting to see how that evolves. But um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of retail executives are listening to this conversation, intrigued, probably nodding their head in agreement at a lot of the things that you're saying around the payment experience. I know throughout our chat today, we have, I think, brought up a few continuous pointers or considerations for the executives listening that may be looking to expand into buy now pay letter or or just looking for ways to improve their payments experience. And a few things have, have been pretty consistent today. Obviously, understanding the consumer with an emphasis on Gen Z and millennials and their behaviors and preferences that need for omnichannel, which has, has always been prevalent in our retail conversations. But as retail executives think about refining their list of of tech vendors to look into or the payments they want to enable. You know, this space is getting more and more active. There are more startups and and fintech companies coming into this space. Do you have any pointers for these folks that, that are trying to navigate this space and determine the right fit for them? Any key points or takeaways they should be thinking about as they go through this researching process? Yeah, I think you touched on many of them. But just to reiterate, I think definitely listen to your consumers and and seek to connect with them and to empower them. In terms of Afterpay, we focused a lot on making sure that our solution is incredibly consumer friendly. We don't we don't charge interest ever. Um, we don't collect social security number. We make the sign up really easy. We make the mobile checkout and desktop checkout, frankly, for that matter, incredibly quick. Um, so we're always thinking about the consumer and how to better serve them and how to empower them. Look for partners who are doing that. Look for partners who can help you connect with and empower your consumer. I would say invest in things that have staying power. There are so many amazing innovations happening right now where folks are navigating the pandemic and being incredibly creative, whether it's curbside pickup, booking platforms for fitting rooms, so on and so forth. It's been incredible to watch. And many of these solutions will be interesting after the pandemic, but not all. So I would say start to think about, and maybe I'm being overly optimistic here, but I'm feeling like we're starting to hopefully come out the other side of this, but start to think about things that have staying power. Start to think about that things that are more fundamental to how your business will perform over a longer term horizon. And I don't think there's many things that are more fundamental than how customers are are or are not willing to pay for their goods. And then the other piece is just the effort on your business. Everybody is so busy right now, especially in retail. And I think the best solutions are the ones where you can try it and see for yourself how it performs and then decide how deeply you want to invest. And again, that's why we're really proud of the fact that launching after paying stores is so accessible and so easy because retailers can try it and they can see for themselves the impact that it has. Yep, definitely some great pointers there, Alex. Thank you for breaking that down for me. And as we close up our time together, we talked about so much. So I appreciate you walking through all of these questions and sharing such great insights. But I want to zoom out to, to closings because, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the rapid change that's been happening in retail over the past year. The fact that lingering or emerging customer behaviors are being solidified and will continue to evolve through the next year. But I have to ask you, because in your role, I'm sure part of your day-to-day is not just understanding 
the afterpay business and how you're serving retailers, but really fundamentally what's happening inside the four walls, so to speak, of the retail organization, the other trends that they're thinking about, what's keeping them up at night. So I want to ask you, are there any specific trends that you find especially interesting or exciting in retail today, obviously beyond what we've talked about today, what do you think presents the the greatest opportunities for growth and differentiation? Because I know outside of your time at Afterpay, you've had roles in driving business growth and strategy. So would love if you can kind of share your take just based on your current role and and of course, some of your your past as well. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I think the world will reopen and it's feeling like it's it's not too far away. And I'm spending a lot of my time thinking about what's around the corner. And I really do think, you know, in my opinion, the task at hand is to be sure as a retailer and within the retail community that you're ready with omni-channel approaches when it does. So again, as consumers shift from offline to online during shelter in place and during the pandemic, their expectations are rising, their expectations are changing. When they return to stores, they're going to expect an integrated experience across inventory, promotions, payment options, and more. So I'm really focused on how I can help our retail partners offer that experience to their consumers and make sure that we're meeting that need on our side as well. Love it, Alex. Well, it has been a real pleasure meeting you and getting to hear your take on what's happening with Afterpay and this fascinating payment landscape that we're in now. Really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with me today. Yes, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And to all I'm of you to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and to all of you listening, we're gonna include some links in the show notes so you can learn a little bit more about Afterpay and some all of the great things that's happening with their retail partnerships. And we appreciate all of you taking the time out to join us for this conversation. If you have any follow-up questions for Alex or comments on this episode, please feel free to drop us a line on Twitter at our touch points. We'd love to make those follow-up conversations and connections happen. And if you have haven't already, please subscribe to the pod. Every week we're sitting down with experts like Alex to talk shop, talk about the future of retail and what tech trends and tactics will lead in this crazy time that we're in now. So again, please subscribe. We're on any podcast player. Frankly, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. So we'd love to have you join us. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.